0: Sangram here. this is another fun 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 episode because this is where we're going to reverse our roles i'm actually getting interviewed by rob roseman on his show his show is called dad the best i can show it's called dad the best i can and he interviewed me uh, a few weeks ago and i thought it'd be really fun to play that on flip my funnel so it's his recording that we're going to play where we just talk about parenting and things that we have learned so hopefully you enjoy
1: So I, I definitely want to talk Terminus and all that, your startup story. But this is a dad show, so uh, yeah, we got to talk, talk dad life. You've got two kids. How old are they now?
0: Chris is eight, my son, and my daughter Kiara. She is uh, she's four, um, so and she pretty much runs the house. How about you? You said you have
1: three kids, right? Yes, I've got a six and a half year old boy, a four and a half year old boy, and now a one and a half year old girl. So. We got the girl in there, but yeah, those those four those four year olds run the house for sure. <laughs> yeah. That is super amazing, man! It's a great to have family. Yes, I know. So, actually, I was excited. I saw you post something on LinkedIn the other day. It kind of went viral. You wrote uh, you were talking about your four year old daughter, and you were telling your eight year old son what she's not bossy. She just has leadership skills, and she knows what she wants, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It is really hard, I and mean, you see that, and I'm. I feel like. such a blessing to have a daughter for a guy because you get to see the world in a little bit different way than you might have seen growing up. So having a daughter, all of a sudden you're incredibly protective, incredibly like, you know, we have to understand what like truly the things are that, that that are different than for a guy with my son. Yes, I can do a whole bunch of things and I see what he's doing and how he's treating others. And, and I feel like if I didn't have a daughter, I may not have the the overly compulsive nature that I'm having right now. I'm like, I need to help him be a better man. And in order to be a better man, because I have a daughter and she is going to be married to a man. So I want this to be instilled in him. So he knows how she's treating her. So when he has a wife, he does the same thing. Uh, I have kids and she, when she looks for a guy, she looks for the same thing. So I feel like all of a sudden this has become such an important thing that I never thought it was. so, it, And it starts, uh, Rob, I feel at this such an early age uh, and the stereotypical view of what boys do and what girls do. And it is so profoundly impactful that uh, I was blown away. So I think I've made a point to just make this known every day as, I'm, as much as I can in different ways, not the same thing, but in different ways to just make that an, a, an important thing.
1: Yeah, I, I right. It is so different growing up with boys, and they say you get what you need. So having a daughter as our third kid, I'm excited to learn the difference. And uh, I've got a very strong, confident wife, so I'd like her to follow her footsteps. Yeah. And she's already showing those those qualities very willful and knows what she wants. So thanks for the advice. Now I'm going to spin it as <laughs> no, she's not being uh, bossy. She's just uh, she's going to be a boss someday, right? Yeah,
0: and and the thing is, when boys do it, nobody calls them bossy. You know, and I think that's what was very like more because I asked myself, like, well, why do you call her bossy? And he, she like, well, she's a girl. And I'm like, OK, so, but why do you call her bossy? And and he had to put two and two together. He couldn't articulate that to me. And, and just I think it again, is just get ingrained in people's minds with everything around us when goals speak too much, they're bossy or yeah, and, and boys, oh, they're strong, right? And and you know Rob, and what's interesting is me and my wife we were shopping for for daughter, and I think I wrote that in that note too, is like you go around the boys section and it's Superman, Batman, Hero, like all those things, like change the world, math scientists, all that. And then you go on the gold section and you have stars, unicorns, pink, fairy Tooth Fairy and all that stuff. Again, there's nothing wrong with a lot of those things, but if that's the only thing they see, then of course boys are going to think they're going to be strong and powerful and all the things that comes with it. And girls, because that's all, if they all wear it, stars and unicorns, then they're going to think they're just going to be Barbie dolls and no difference. So we go to an extra extent to find in that corner of the corner in that store to find t-shirts that say. I'm courageous. I'm strong. I'm bold. And we buy those t-shirts in addition to any of the other sparkly t-shirts because we want to institute that thought in her mind and others when they see her and talk to her. So yeah, I'm just recognizing it takes more effort than I thought it would.
1: It's it's so true. And it is like, you know, hearing you articulate that and like all dads, it takes us a little while to figure it out, right? Every day we're like, oh, that's what she meant by that. So right. That is helpful. And like you said, I mean, they say in your first five years, so much of your personality, the way you view the world, is kind of established. So, if we're getting a head start on that, I think that's great. And you know, women are taking over the world. My wife, we moved to Atlanta area for my wife's career, and she's uh, evidence of it firsthand. So, they're they're taking over, and it'll it'll be nice to have a, a a little girl grow up to be a powerful woman too.
0: No kidding, man. You know, I was uh, I was listening to. Cheryl Sandberg, who's very well known, she wrote the book Lean In. Uh, she, I think, she's still at Facebook, that she's uh, operating officer. Again, one of the most top influential women out there, or person out there, I should say. And she said, uh, you know, when they, when I think she was getting asked, like, hey, what do you, what do you think about a a woman president in the United States? And she said, well it cannot be more worse than it is right now because all we have is guys, right? So it was really interesting. like, okay, well, she's like, well, what about a uh, woman as a CEO? And she's like, again, it cannot be more worse than it is right now because there's nothing that's happened like this. So all that, it was jokingly, but I think so true that look, we haven't really seen women in the right places in order to see and, and I feel like we have, uh, we, we have just not accepted that or not seen it. And I, I want to see those changes happen because I think the world will be a different place than it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, we both talk a lot about uh, empathy and how big of a, you know, just what a great life skill that is. And I think uh, women probably naturally have a little more empathy. So being able to put that out into the world or and business is going to be a great thing. No kidding. So you uh, you've got two kids, but I was reading a little bit. You were you were raised. You had five siblings, and you actually lived with uh, cousins and everything. A little bit different. Tell us a little bit about growing up.
0: Yeah, so I grew up in India. We lived in a joint family up there, so we had about fifteen people in the same house. And you know, so my I didn't understand until I came to the states what cousins really meant because we all lived together. So like five siblings, I always thought I. Was of we are five brothers and sisters, but in reality, it's, we were only an uh, elder brother and elder sister, but we all lived together, so it was everybody's a brother, and sister. So all five of us just grew up together over there, and I was the youngest of all, which means that I was the most rebellious of all kids growing up because everything was hand-me-down, and I would want to do what my oldest brother was doing. All the time, so you know I think it's really interesting to think about when as a younger kid, when you're the youngest and what you become and end up doing versus the oldest who you know typically I heard this uh, recently where like the oldest kids typically are preachers because they are always taught to be good and they end up being more nurturing and and beyond righteous in, in, in most ways and and more of a teacher and supporter, and a lot of times they have to take kids uh, take care of the younger brothers and sisters at an early age. Uh, when you have a big family. So they really become more of that parental figure or have to start understanding responsibility. They be- end up becoming preachers. And the youngest one, because they are all these rebellious in, in nature because of the, you know, because I went to the same school as they went. So everybody, by the time, I, I was never introduced as Sangram. I was introduced so-and-so's brother or so-and-so's younger brother or, yes, so all those things, right? So you like, you forget what you're, so you're desperate to create your own identity, right? And and in that case, you end up doing things that nobody else would do and a lot of times get in trouble. So the younger kids, people say a lot of times become the people who push through the
1: boundaries of just the society in general. So I, end up, I feel like I'm more on that side for sure. I like it yeah my so my middle child definitely has that in', them. so again, we'll use that rebellious uh willfulness as a as a good quality, and I'm guessing my uh one and a half year old daughter will feel the same, so right the the older one is the chosen one, right, and the rest have to fight for the scraps and make, and pave their own way,
0: yeah, you are so right,
1: so how is that so that is gonna be a little bit different than how your kids were raised? do you you know, worry at all or think about like whether they'll be as hungry as you were since they're growing up, you know, just just the two kids in a smaller house. How do you think that'll play out?
0: Well, I mean, that I do feel like this child, you know, because I feel my childhood was like probably hopefully for most people is one of your most amazing times. Right. You, you know, you're cared for. You're taken care of. Um, there are people around you yeah, and and you just remember it. And as you said, like the first five years or ten years of your life, a lot of your personality and character is developed, so it's very important to have a a really amazing childhood, and it, it shapes the rest of your life. So I do I did enjoy the idea of having just a big family, and and now growing up here and since we came to the states and we are you know, obviously in, in much smaller, like just four of us, I miss that, and I think our kids probably have missed the the whole idea of having grandparents in the house all the time and learning from them, living with them, loving, respecting. So for example, I always wondered about this thing, like when I was growing up, nobody told me to respect elders. And if you think that for a second, it's such a weird thing to even think about. But the reason I was thinking about that was because I end up sharing some some of that, like, oh, you should do this, you should do that. And I'm like, but my parents never told me that. How did I learn any of that? Well, and, and the reason I think I learned or most people learn when you're in a joint family is because you watch and you learn by watching so i watched my parents respecting their grandparents and and because we lived in the same house it was obvious that i'm i'm part of that whole thing so when when i was getting raised i didn't, my parents didn't have to tell me here's how you speak to your grandparents here's how you do here's how you treat them because they're there every day and i see that happening every conversation so if they didn't treat them well That's how I would treat my parents. But I saw them treating so well that like that became ingrained. Now with my kids, they see their grandparents once a year or every two years. They have no idea what it is to, to mean. How do you build that relationship? So, you know, there are things like that that I feel like when you have a small family, you just miss out on.
1: Yeah, we almost take it for granted. Right. They say, especially kids when they're, you know, as young as ours they really don't listen as much to what we're saying, but they're more modeling their behavior off what we do and how we act. So we actually probably have to almost, you know, exaggerate it a little more, put a little bit more, make it a little bit more deliberate as to, you no, know, this is how we do things, or this is how you treat your wife. You know, you can't just, yeah. you know, it was kind of just, like you said, not easier, but assumed, you know, you you learn by watching here, we have to, you know, make it make a little more effort, I guess. No doubt. I think
0: it it, it is very intentional process.
1: So what is uh, what's one thing you learned from your dad or your parents growing up that you're now seeing? You know, I I find that, you know, it's kind of eye opening when you have kids. You're like, oh, that's what my parents meant when they said this. I thought they didn't know what they were talking about. But now I look back and I'm like, oh, maybe they and, you know, (laughs) they love that. So can you think of one thing that you learned from your dad? Oh man, I mean, so many.
0: Uh, and I, I would say more both from both from my dad and mom. Unfortunately, my dad passed away a few, few years ago and it, it's been really interesting. So from my mom, I learned hard work. She was the hardest working person, keeping, keeping things together, like just raising and, and just helping all the time. Like it was, it's was incredible to just watch it even now. So I learned hard work, what it means to do real hard work and, and why it matters. It was, insanely amazing and that's so my mom is my hero from from work perspective from a dad I feel I learned the fact that he always kept the family together um, no matter what like we had this thing even though it was a joint family and I think most people probably won't even I don't know if they would even understand what I'm about to say but we we have things like every Sunday both families even though they were living in two different levels we're gonna have we're gonna eat together as a whole 15 people family every Sunday no matter what when we have been when we need to go and going to a birthday party or something like that for somebody's kid there's only one gift that will go from the entire house not from my dad and then from dad's brother and no, no, no just one gift so always show unity in how you think like you know stuff like that well you know it will alternate between when we are doing certain festivals and stuff okay one year this you know Somebody is in charge, Some the other person is uh, next to somebody else's. So he would always create things that will bring family together. And, and I think that's one area that I feel like he was just a master of it and something that I look forward to in doing as much as I can as, as our kids grow up and as our family grows up.
1: I love that. That's great. I might borrow that one gift idea, too. These birthday gifts get a little out of hand, so...
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so, it becomes so superficial and it becomes like so much about, well, who gave what gift and, you know, every everybody keeps is like, you know, let's not worry about those kind of things. Let's just focus on just one gift. It's more for one family. The the idea of oneness, the unity, I mean, and you take that and you can apply that to your job. You can apply that to your, your work is, you know, how do we act as one team? Um, One team is actually one of the core values of uh, our company, Terminus. So, It all, I think, a lot of these just translate so clearly between life, work, um, and everything in between. It's amazing.
1: Right, that's great. So yeah, we mentioned earlier you've got a great podcast called Flip My Funnel, and I love the other thing I love you do. You have a Big Idea Friday, and I was listening. You had an episode where you were talking about the difference between joy and happiness, and it was really you articulated it really well. Can you talk a little bit about that and? How we can apply that as as dads? Oh man, that I mean, it is it is one of those ideas that it took a while for me to even
0: fully grasp uh, the difference, and and I think and it still is is it's just a moving target uh, in in many cases, right? For people, so a lot of times, joy I think is a feeling that never goes away, right? Like I think the joy of having a kid. Right, you know, seeing the kids the first time, the very first birthday—you you will never forget that. We, our very first job, no matter what it it is, like mine was washing dishes. Like I, there was this joy in remembering those days. Our first car, you know, or, or the first time your kid actually rode a bike, and you were part of that whole process of getting that confidence boost for for your kid to 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 do that by themselves. You know, even though they were afraid and fearful, I think that is joy, and I think that is. Never ending. It's for everything. And you just know that. And you just see that on your face or other person's face. You know, that's joy. On, on the flip side, it, you know, I think happiness is all about very temporary things like the promotion you long for um, so much. And you got it. Great. You're happy. You threw a party, whatever. And then the you know, next day, you're, you know, you're fine. It doesn't stay with you forever. Now you look for the next promotion. Same thing with the raise that you might get uh, as a person. And when you think about a parent, you know, it, it applies the same way. Joy, I think, is such a forever concept. is, And, and I think we need to distinguish between that and, and run after joy and opportunities when you get those kinds of joy versus happiness, which is temporary, like the birthday gifts and the parties. Like I remember, you know, as a kid, again, growing up in such a big family, we didn't need the biggest toys. And, and even with our kids, we know they don't care about the biggest. They don't even understand the biggest toys, like the Christmas thing, for example. We, we, we do get so many gifts and toys by the Christmas tree. We literally said, okay, you know what? We're not going to open all the gifts at once because the same, all these gifts, all of a sudden they become, you know, things that they, they don't really care who came from. So what we really did was we're going to open a gift one, just one gift every day for the whole week. And, And that way you can actually enjoy that gift. You, you don't have to just go after the next gift. Just enjoy. If you got a soccer ball, enjoy that soccer ball for one day. And the next day we'll open another gift and maybe you get a truck and now you're going to play with that truck the whole day and you're enjoying that. So, so it's, it's the, those are the small things and patterns that we have started to do in our lives is that let's find things where we can have joy over this happiness of a bunch of things happening. And then it's just fleeting the very next moment.
1: I love that. Yeah. Like you said, it is so fleeting. And that's the thing we all kind of chase. We're almost chasing happiness. And when that goes away, you can feel down, depressed. But I like that, you know, if you, you can hold on to this idea of yes, you know, things might be hard right now, but you can still be still have joy, right? So that's, that's a great way to look at it. Because I think some people might say they're unhappy, but in reality, their life is good. And they almost just can't like articulate or like you said, come to you know, figure that out in their own minds. So that's a great way to think about it. You talk about how reading is so important to you. I think uh, I've read more in the last three years than I did in my entire life combined. That's partly because of, you know, listening to podcasts like yours and uh, seeking wisdom. David Cancel, he's great talking about you know all these great books. He's actually scheduled to be on the show to talk uh, Drift and Dad Life soon. I'm really excited to have him on.
0: Oh, man, he's awesome. He's a a good
1: friend. Uh, I've been on their podcast
0: before. He has been on uh, Flip My Phone. He was like the first person I had on the podcast, too. Like the number one episode was uh, with David. And we go back and forth on all because we both are in the startup world and can connect as founders. Uh, We we talk and we're always constantly looking at it. So he's a great guy to be on the show. Let me know when that happens. I want to hear him.
1: Oh, he's awesome! I know. I was like, "Oh, he's got kids too." That's a whole side of his life we don't get to hear about. So it's cool to hear kind of the startup world, the dad life, because you know it's a big part of it's a big part of your life that you don't hear too much about, and it is kind of like you said, applicable to business and everything else.
0: Yeah, and in in everyday thing, right? Like you, you know, you I think we hide ourselves behind work and others, and as if we are robots, and that's all that matters to us is work. The reality is, work doesn't really matter as much as your life and family and stuff. And at the end of the day, nobody, you know, on your tombstone, nobody in my tombstone is going to say, Sangram had an incredible podcast, right? Or Sangram had an incredible like startup, like that made millions or whatever. They're going to talk, they're going to talk about, he was an amazing, it, hopefully he it was, was an amazing dad. He was a, was a great friend. Um, he helped uh, or he did something good for somebody. And, and, those kind of things. So I think that is a part of our human thing that I think we all need to start bringing in, which is why I'm really excited about what you're trying to do with getting these things connected and having people from all walks of life come back and talk about the real them, whoever that is.
1: So Sangram on the dad, the best I can show, we like to do a dad tip of the week. Do you have a dad tip for other dads out there?
0: <laughs> oh, I don't know if I have a, a dad tip of... uh the week uh, or that tip in general, you know, I think some of the stuff I've already shared. I think maybe one thing that we have started to do is almost treating every weekend as a vacation, as opposed to waiting for that big vacation to come once a year or whatever that's going to happen, the spring break or summer or whatever. We're just trying to figure out how do we treat every week as a vacation, which means we want to be unplugged. We want to just go crazy, do stuff, uh, drive around, um, just sleep late, and that's what we want to do. And or wake up early, exercise, and meditate, whatever. Like, just figure out what you want to really do this weekend, as if it's a vacation weekend and not a work weekend. Not like oh, we need to get the groceries done on Sunday evening. That's kind of weekend. I mean, some of those things you have to do, but can can we turn? Can you turn more of your weekends into more of your vacation weekends? I think it's just a mindset and so we started to do it lately uh, it's been fun it's been hard sometimes but uh, whenever we did it I think we have never regretted it so, uh, so I think that's that's a challenge more the more so than a tip
1: I love it no I'm going to implement that one today when I'm going to say let's go look forward to Saturday it's, it's your vacation yeah so yeah I've got young kids and you know they're just starting to read it actually inspired me to start a company with my sister Lauren called kickstartreading.com we make uh 2 minute videos that help teach kids how to read. Lauren taught my 5 year old how to read. So embracing reading has been a new thing and along those lines we we had a question sent in from Kaya Tingley on LinkedIn. She asked Sangram, why do you think reading is so important today and how can we encourage our kids to read more?
0: Oh man, reading is so 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 important. And I would say A combination of reading and scribing or writing, I think is equally important. So just, just before I answer that specific question, I, you know, what I do with my son Krish is we have, we have Mm -hmm. a habit of writing a daily journal. Uh, I do it and he's looking at me and he started to do it. And some days he doesn't want to do it. I'm like, fine. But most days he does it uh, most nights, which is literally a journal of five things that we write before we go to sleep. And it's, easy to remember, heart. You know, what am I happy about? Am I embracing learning? Am I learning something? So that's E. What do I need to pay attention to? So that's, uh, what's the right thing to do? Did I do something that wasn't the right thing to do? Or should I do something that's the right thing to do that I haven't yet? So just put things in perspective. And what am I grateful for? What am I thankful for? So that's that's C. E. So H-E-A-R-T. And it could be one word for each, or it could be a sentence, or it could be a paragraph. You know, it says choice. And, it's, you know, my choice sometimes it. Yeah, I'll write it in like two minutes. Sometimes I write it for, for her, you know, for longer than um, than I need to. But that is a very, very much of the idea of like, you need to self-reflect. And and it lets you stop and pause for a little bit in this busy world that we live in. The same thing is with reading. And, and reading allows you to pause in, in many ways. And reading allows you to reflect on it. So a lot of times we would just go to the library or we would just get books. And like I read with him, the Diary of the Wimpy Kid, right? I've read all the series with him every time, you know, we go to sleep and stuff. We're we're, we're Christians, so we read Bible every night. So there are things that reading allows you to do that and then conversations that happen between you and your kids that will not happen at all watching a movie or watching. Those are all fun things to do. But man, reading just gets. I see my son getting into like, Papa, let me tell you about something. I read this, uh, you know, this reminds me of so-and-so and such-and-such. And now you're in a conversation that your kid wants to have, right? Not that you want to have, but your kid wants to have. So I think reading is a really, really good. And, and the way we accomplish is just by writing it and spending more time doing it through Bible or, you know, any of the books that he wants to run. And that just creates a lot of conversations.
1: I love it. We actually last night, we did a chapter of Diary of a Wimpy Kid last night we read with my son and it was funny and fun. And it's like, like you said, it's one of the only times you can quietly be one on one with your kid. And it it is almost like a scarcer thing now reading. Everybody's doing video and YouTube and everything. So it's like to slow down and take a minute with your kid and read and kind of instill that I think really, it's probably more important than ever since it is kind of a scarcer thing, right? No doubt, man. I love the the idea of just
0: building that relationship and conversation. That is so important.
1: And I think we just take it for granted. So we'd like to do some uh, rapid fire questions on the show. Are you ready, Sangram? Let's do it. What is the first car you ever owned? A Mazda MX3 hatchback. What is your favorite movie category is drama?
0: Mm, well, I mean, Rocky rocky
1: whole series actually i watched it with my son when we were together so all the series of rocky movies it's the best the best even even four and five they're still great yeah what is your favorite comedy movie ever
0: Hmm. mrs dogfire i thought that was pretty funny
1: so you've got a great flip my funnel podcast what's your favorite podcast to listen to today
0: this is definitely, seeking wisdom is good. Uh, the, another one that I love is Donald Miller's podcast called as the Story Brand. He talks about why stories are so important and part of everything we do is, is, in marketing or or in business. So I like that one is really good. And then another one is Andy Stanley's leadership podcast. He just talks about all just just leadership. He's he's run you know his church and and has been one of the I think the top twenty leadership folks in the world. So I love the way he
1: communicates. And, and talks about leadership he's in atlanta too right andy yeah Andy he's in atlanta big guy and he's a dad he, he could be a future guest on the show i know he probably knows all kinds of dad wisdom for us
0: you know and that's what he also talks about on his podcast he talked about he bought his brought his wife sandra uh, on the, one of the recent podcasts and talked about you know that they have this one vision for their family uh, which was that they will you know years from now, when they look back, they want to be able to say that, hey, our kids will live together or want to be together even when they don't have to. And that's their mission statement, right? Like, literally, they're just that. And they had written and and it's on their cupboard for like 20 years saying that we want to build and raise a family where they want to come and live together and stay together and spend time together when they don't have to. And and me and my wife has actually adopted that as a principle that that's what our vision for our kids is, is that Today, they have to stay here. So that's fine. And we can tell all kinds of stuff. But when they don't have to, and if they travel the world to be with us, not just because it's a vacation, you know, it's, a, it's a
1: holiday thing, because they want to, that will be a truly, truly good thing to happen. I love that. That's great. We're going to put that on the refrigerator too. Real quick, let's talk a little bit about your uh, work life. So you you worked at, at Salesforce with Mark Benioff, and you must have learned a ton there, but you made a huge leap and finding your company terminus just what a few weeks after you and your wife had a baby that sounds absolutely terrifying what was that like
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, Kiara was born she was like a, she was one month old and my wife wasn't working because I was at Salesforce making making all right so that um, this was a calling and I felt like we had to do it so it, it did feel like you're we taking almost we were doing everything wrong um from an outside world perspective like 36 at that time. So it was four years ago. And we had a second kid. We live in the suburbs. My wife is not working. And we're going to go start a company based here in Atlanta with two other co-founders who have really never done this at this level, anything, trying to invent an entirely new category called account-based marketing. we're going to do it. And so it wasn't a recipe for success by any measure. But I feel like we have been very blessed and lucky to just have been able to go from three co-founders now to over 200 people.
1: Based here in Atlanta, that's amazing, and I'm sure uh, the support of your wife was a was a huge part of that, right? Making that happen and giving you the confidence to take that leap. She went
0: and found a job. I mean, she that the conversation literally was that, all right, I can see that you want to do it, and if you don't do it, you're going to regret it. I'm like, you're right. Okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go find a job in the next six like few weeks because we have to support the family. We can't be on credit cards forever. And you have one year, literally one year, to prove. That this thing has legs. And if it doesn't, then you're going to go get a real job. But that's all you have is one year and you can figure it out. So to me, that was the impetus of a crazy amount of stuff we did in the first year purely, purely because I knew if I, if it didn't do something that would move the needle for the company, then, uh, then I'm going to go get a, have to go get a job. And I think she was very good about putting a timeline on me and a leash on me to make sure that I do something that's not just a hobby, but
1: actually something that matters. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And you got, you know, when you have a family, you're a team. So, you know, when it's time for you to fly, you go. I know we had a similar thing. We were in Las Vegas for 11 years and my wife got a great opportunity to advance her career down here in Atlanta. So it was kind of like, okay, it's your turn to fly. So, you know, we had a three month old baby and we also took the leap and it's scary, but you know, a year later, things are going great and you almost have to when it when it doesn't see when it seems like it's the absolute wrong time. Sometimes that's that's the perfect time to do it. Right. Just jump off the cliff.
0: Yeah, it's it's that's where the the growth happens. That's where I think relationships are what are they made up of are revealed, not in good times, but actually tough times.
1: So I agree. Right. So one thing, it seems like everybody today, parents especially struggle with uh, work life balance. And when you have a family, you know, the stakes are even higher. Do you think there is such a thing as work-life balance? I've heard you talk a little bit about it on your podcast. And what kind of advice would you give parents on, on how to make it all work? Well, I mean, I don't think there is really such a thing as work-life balance
0: because I think then you're really putting both at the same at equal level. And the reality is that without, without work, you can't really have a great life. It's, you know, it's hard. It's, there's no free stuff. But at the same time, without life, you can't really be happy at work. Because then you'll be coming up to a messed up place every day or every night. You don't want to do that. Um, the way I look at it is that I think these are all comes down to daily choices, whatever those are. So for me, I, I, I live in Atlanta. My commute to work when I'm in town is about an hour and a half each way. So for me, I made a conscious choice to just do Uber every time I'm in town. So that hour and a half each way, so three hours of my time, I'm actually working. So by the time, especially when I'm coming back home, I'm actually in the Uber for whatever hour, hour and a half, and I'm cleaning up all my emails, things that I need to do on my laptop. I got a wifi port so I can just have me on the internet and do all the things I need to do. And by the time I reach home, everything is clean, everything is done. So when I'm home, I'm present with my family. And I think a lot of people go through this anxiety of like and checking their phone the whole time while they're driving and all that stuff. And, and, and at the end of the day, when they come home, they have a million things they already have in mind so they can focus and be present and then they're back online in a couple of hours or throughout the process. And I think those are all choices that we all make. So instead of creating work-life balance, I just prioritize my, I, I try to prioritize my time. And not always successful, but in most times, I'll wake up at 5 in the morning. I'll, I'll try to get a lot of the work done um, that I want to do so that by 6.30 when my son is dropped to school, I'm going to drop him to school. So that's important. It's important to have breakfast with him. So from six thirty to seven, that's our time to be together. So those are all just little choices that I think we all need to make that will make it better, uh, as opposed to trying to think about it as a life co-work-life balance.
1: I love that. My wife is going to be a. We, she might be Ubering to work just after hearing this. That's a great tip.
0: Yeah, it, it works. I mean, it, it has been one of the best things. Uh, hopefully, we we make more money than. Then it's like a whatever, 10, 20 hour, $20 worth of like Uber uh, per day. And if it brings peace and joy and happiness in your your day, in your evening, let you center and focus on the right things. I think it's worth the investment.
1: Yeah, so many good nuggets in here, Sangram. I really appreciate you being on on the Dad the Best I Can show. Where can people uh, learn more about what you're up to?
0: Well, um, I post uh, pretty regularly on LinkedIn, um, but also, as you said, do the daily Flip My Funnel podcast. Uh, You guys can uh, check out either one of them and just, just go after the best thing in
1: life. I appreciate it, Sangram. Have a great day. You too, man.
0: You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.